Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series from September and October 2022 on caring for the planet. We hope you enjoy this message and that it offers some meaning for your life. You can, you can go ahead and be seated. We have three readings today. A couple short ones and then a longer one. Our first is from Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. It happens to be my birthday verse because everybody who's born in 6-8 has that one. God has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God? And Ephesians 2.10, and if you've heard this one before, it's because we talk about it all the time. In fact, we talk about it so often that it is on the wall uh, in the welcome room. You want to know who we are? We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And finally, from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. The word of the Lord. I love the Catholics among us who will always say the word of the Lord. Actually, it's not just Catholics. It's a whole bunch of us say that. So, six weeks ago, I mentioned to you that I had never before done a sermon on the environment or caring for our planet. Now, six weeks later, I've done six of them. And in this last one, I want to sum up where we've been. I want to look to the future, and I want to give us a couple of, of takeaways as we leave at least my part of this sermon series. Now, my shirt today gives you the climate science basics. It's getting warmer. It's us. Yes, we're sure. It's bad, but we can fix it. Now, over these last six weeks, I didn't spend, in fact, I spent almost no time trying to demonstrate the existence or impacts of climate change. And that's because I didn't have to. I didn't have to because this last summer and fall, we could see evidence of climate change all around us in the myriad, myriad of extreme weather events happening throughout the world. We've had heat waves, drought, and fires out west. We've had storms and flooding down south and going up the eastern seaboard. We've had, and then, and then one Sunday, it, it literally, it was September 11th, as we were in worship that morning, um, water, rain was coming down so fast on Chicago that water pipes were bursting and water was erupting, and you can see it on one of the, the pictures, water was erupting right out of these storm sewers, right? Further away, heat waves scorched Europe and Africa and Asia, 
and we heard about the torrential rains in Pakistan that continue to affect over 33 million people. And then just in case we didn't get it, on September 18th, Hurricane Fiona hit Puerto Rico five, five years after Maria decimated the island's electrical grid. And then, in case we still didn't get it, 10 days later, on September 28th, Category 4, Hurricane Ian pounded Florida, resulting over 100 and I think it's 130 deaths now, and tens of billions of dollars in damage. Yes, that's a B. Florida's deadly storm in over almost 90 years. And each of these events are perfect examples of what we can expect to see more and more of in the future, as our warming planet means more frequent and more powerful extreme weather events around the globe. So instead of focusing on the problem, because we don't need to, we can see it, we look primarily at two things. First, what God calls us to do about it, and second, the many different ways that we can make a difference. Now we started with a look at what the Bible, it's always a good place to start. We started with a look at what the Bible tells us about caring for our planet. And here, this is our first takeaway. While God created and owns the earth and everything on it, God gave us, God gave us humanity, all of humanity, the tremendously important job of taking care of it. To use its resources, yes, but to use them in ways that don't abuse the earth or anything on it, in ways that are respectful. Indeed, we are called to care for the world just as God would, and that's with love, and that's with love. Moreover, take away part two, we are called to care for the planet with an eye toward loving our neighbor. It's the second of Jesus' two great commandments to love our neighbors, love our God, love our neighbors. And it demands that we do something about the warming planet, which is, which is already harming our neighbors near and far. Our young and old neighbors, and particularly our future neighbors, right? Our kids, our grandkids, and their kids, um, who will inherit a planet that is it's falling apart if, if we don't do something to take care of it now. Which leads us to takeaway two. While some consequences of this planet's warming are already here, and others are unavoidable, we can still act to avoid the most serious. You guys, this is a global problem, and if we all work together, we can fix it. We've got hope. And so we've explored lots of, I think we spent like three weeks talking about different ways we can help fix it, ways we can combat climate change individually and collectively. We started out with the first thing that all of us can do to make the most difference, takeaway number three, and that's simply talking about it. Talking about it, sharing our concerns, our stories about climate change, things we're doing to make a difference, and how everyone, there's something that everybody can do. You know, there are, there are a lot of people still out there, until two months ago, I was one of them, who are sort of aware, sort of aware that our planet is hurting, but don't realize the extent or the urgency of the problem. And there are others who are clearly alarmed by what's happening, but they have no clue as to what to do about it, or, or they're so overwhelmed by the enormity of the problem that they feel there's nothing that can be done. So we looked at all sorts of things that we can do, big stuff, like going vegan, driving an electric car, buying solar panels, and divesting and using our leverage to encourage others to divest from fossil, the fossil fuel industry. And smaller, then we looked at smaller everyday things like switching to LED bulbs, both us and our pets eating less meat, dropping our thermostats at a degree or two in the winter, creating less food waste, reusing products rather than tossing them. Now, 
I know, and I was told, I know that most of us probably won't move our pension plan money to more climate-friendly investment funds or drastically cut down on our flying or completely stop eating meat and dairy products, okay? Most of our, us aren't going to do that, but maybe, maybe a couple of us will. And the rest of us could do something else. The rest of us could do even a number of something else's because the more somethings that we all do, the healthier our planet will become. Remember that the problem is not just that the planet's warming. The problem is, take away four, that the planet's warming is harming so many things and so many people that we care about. So many things and so many people that we care about. The beauty and biodiversity of nature, our health, our finances, the future of our kids and grandkids. And for Christians, for Christians, we understand that our call to love our neighbors extends especially to the most vulnerable neighbors, right? The least of these, as our, our gospel lesson described them. And because we care about these brothers and sisters, we are already, and I hope we are all, already working to alleviate hunger and poverty and racism and a host of other social problems that we're dealing with. But, and we talked about this briefly, because climate change is a threat multiplier, because it hits hardest those who are already the most vulnerable, it makes those problems that we care about and trying to, trying to deal with harder and harder and harder to fix. Makes them even worse. Catherine Hayhoe, who's a climate scientist, and I think I mentioned her in one of the earliest sermons, uses the analogy of a bucket with a hole in it, okay? We're pouring all these resources into this bucket to help us address hunger and poverty and healthcare and education and all that other kind of stuff. But so much is flowing right out of the hole in the bottom of the bucket. And that hole is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you guys know what that hole is. It's climate change. Now, a flood in a rich country is devastating, okay? We saw it. We saw it just a couple of weeks ago. Like, like Ian. Ian, it means loss of life. It means displacement. It means billion dollars in damages. That's devastating. But flooding in a poor country is beyond devastating, okay? Power is back for 99% of those in Florida, but tens of thousands of people in Puerto Rico impacted by Fiona weeks earlier are still without power. Pakistan's floods, which started months ago, back in June, are still causing unspeakable suffering. Millions are homeless, and now cholera and other waterborne and mosquito-borne illnesses are claiming the lives of so many, and we know it's always the vulnerable, mostly the kids, right? And meanwhile, um, others are risking everything to get their crops. Those, you can see the people on the picture are walking in the water knowing that they're snakes and waterborne illnesses because they got to get their crops harvested because that's what they live on for the rest of the year, and it's not going to happen, okay? These people need help, and I encourage all of us, and we've done it before and we will do it again, to give graciously to LDR Lutheran Disaster Response or other charities that are on the ground that are, that are helping these people. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, you guys. Even though Pakistan is responsible for less than 1%, 1% of the planet's warming gases, and compared to the U.S., more than 25% to date, Pakistan is the eighth most vulnerable nation to planet warming impacts because of where it happens to be located. And that means that even if we take care of all these 33 million people who are struggling right now, these kinds of climate events are going to happen to these people again and again and again and again if we don't do something, okay? So we're called to do something bigger. 
And so when we speak of climate justice, take away five, we're acknowledging that although our planet's warming is a global crisis, right? It's a crisis that affects us all, but it affects, its effects are not felt evenly around the globe. Its effects are not felt evenly around the globe. Low-income communities, people of color, indigenous peoples, those with disabilities, old or very young people, women, all of these people, all of these people groups are more susceptible, more vulnerable to the risks posed by climate change like, like extreme weather and disappearing shorelines. So when we engage in climate justice, if we can adopt climate solutions that not only reduce emissions or protect the natural world, but do so in ways that favor the, the people who are most hardest hit by these, we're in better shape, we're in better shape. Here's how it works. Remember, because I told you that, that climate change is a threat multiplier, it affects so many other um, crises that we're already dealing with. Because it's a climate multiplier, our solutions to climate change can also be multipliers, okay? They can help alleviate multiple other problems that our world is dealing with. And it's easier when you think of examples. So, take for example the, the global warming solution we talked about last week, one of them, educating girls, okay? Coupled with voluntary family planning, educating girls makes a significant contribution to reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But, but, it also contributes to alleviating poverty, alleviating hunger, and it helps those girls and their families and their communities in a host of other ways. Educating girls is a wonderfully just way of addressing climate change because it targets a group that is inordinately impacted by the problem. Another example, countries like Bangladesh and Rwanda are using small-scale solar power to bring electricity to low-income families who would otherwise be living in the dark, okay? These countries are both transitioning to clean energy and at the same time, they're alleviating poverty, okay? And you guys, we can all be part of this because there are numerous NGOs that are involved in doing this and they would love our donations and our help, okay? We can all, be, we can all help. Another example, closer to home. The Chicago Planning Commission recently approved a plan to renovate a vacant warehouse building on the south side, and they were gonna, they're gonna renovate it into dozens of solar-powered apartments. They call them solar lofts. The renovating building will have 47 apartments. It'll include things like electric vehicle charging stations, rooftop solar panels, energy-efficient appliances, and other sustainability features that you really usually only find in high-end new construction. Here's the thing. 32 of those 47 solar lofts will be affordable units. So the project ad addresses both climate change and poverty. See how this works? All of these examples are win, win, win changes, things we can do collectively and which combat both climate change and alleviate other social problems that we're dealing with. Now unfortunately, one of the barriers to getting people to deal with climate change is that both the problem and the solutions have been painted as awful alternatives. What do you want, the, the warming planet or the awful alternatives and the fall apart, falling apart of our, our economy? The, 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 the alternatives are painted as almost apocalyptic. We're told that failure to do anything about climate change will mean our planet's demise. Now, we've, we know that that's not true, right? Climate scientists assure us that our planet will continue. It's just a question of whether we'll survive to witness it. But what if we look at this not as an issue of surviving, but as an issue of thriving? as an issue of thriving, like the examples I just mentioned, when we think of combating climate change with an eye to justice and taking care of our most vulnerable neighbors, takeaway number six, 
The changes we make to fix climate change can also help us fix other problems like poverty and hunger, resulting in a healthier planet and healthier people on it. Yes, we have to move to clean energy, and we're doing that. We're just not doing it as fast as we need to, so we need to pick it up. So yes, we have to move to clean energy. Yes, we have to use less and waste less energy. Yes, we have to change some of our behaviors, but we can do that in ways that leave our planet and all of us living on it in a much better position. Things can actually get better. And so with so many of the issues that we're fighting about in this country, and you know we are fighting about so many issues in this country, we need to go back to the basics. You guys, we need to go back to the basics and remember that many of us, most of us, pretty much all of us, really down deep value the same things, right? We all value the health and safety of our family and friends, communities, and our world. And of course, of course, valuing these things is perfectly consistent with our understanding of a God of abundance. Remember years ago we talked about our abundant God, abundant wine, abundant grace, abundant fish, abundant love, right? We have a God of abundance. And that means that we don't live in a zero-sum world. We may sometimes think like we do, but not in God's world. We don't live in a zero-sum world. My health, my health, my good health does not depend, does not come at your expense. Providing energy to some does not have to mean that others are disadvantaged, and that's the hope that we cling to as we move to a clear and energy future. The pandemic seems, seems ages and ages ago, but it really wasn't that long ago, and, and it reminded us, I think, of the interdependence of all of us here on this planet. That was one of the things that we all maybe were forcefully, um, forcefully realized. We are all connected, right? It also forced many of us to rethink what was important in our lives. And most of us came to the realization that, hey, you know what? Personal relationships are really key. People are much more valuable than things. And so now, keep that stuff in mind, because now as we deal with this climate crisis, we need to, we need to continue to reset our values, or maybe not reset, maybe, maybe reminding ourselves of the values that have always been important to us. Our last takeaway. As Christians, as Christians, what's really, really important, God's amazing love for us and the love we have in response for God and for each other. We remember ultimately, and we say this all the time, who we are, who we are. And it's on the wall out there, and I read it earlier. We are God's masterpiece. And God has created us anew. We are new creations in Jesus Christ so that we can do the good things that God has planned for us long ago. You guys, we are God's masterpiece. And we are called to do good things. Good things to address justice and fix this warming planet as we work to make this entire world a better and healthier place for all of God's children. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 
West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Uzardo engineered the sound. Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties. And I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.